If you didn't grab your sermon notes, uh, please grab them this week. They, uh, you know, they look cooler than ever, so we might as well get all of those out. Um, and I printed a few extra because this week's sermon is going to uh, roll over into next week's sermon. You're welcome for that. Um, so that's, uh, that means that this doesn't have to be uh, two sermons in one. It doesn't have to be a two-hour ordeal. Uh, we're going to cut it in half. Uh, but I'll get into that in just a minute. You feel good? You ready? Get into this today? Uh, I'm excited you're here. Are you... Uh, are we as a people all on board and familiar with uh, weighted blankets? You guys know about weighted blankets? How many of you have a weighted blanket? Oh, just you? All right, we got, I got one. My hand's up. You got one. All right, all right, Ashley. Uh, well, there, there's a bit of a trend for those of you who don't know about this. Uh, for these blankets that are filled with like either some kind of like glass beads or sand, uh, the first one I got was filled with sand, I think, because it was a little on the cheap side. Um, but there are these, these blankets that, are, that make them kind of feel heavier than a normal blanket, and they have some physical medical benefits that aid in relaxation. Um, and so anyways, I, I heard my wife and, uh, and, and my sister talking about it. I should say, I don't, I don't need the government to tell me that she's my sister. She is my sister-in-law, but I think of her as my sister. But I should make the distinction because we're all from West Virginia. Um, <laughs> and, and so, uh, you know, no offense, Ash. My sister-in-law, who's really just my sister, but not actually my sister, um, she's actually my cousin. Uh, anyways, I heard, um, I heard them talking about these weighted blankets, and, uh, and they, and it sounded like Megan really wanted one. And I was like, oh, that sounds great. And Megan's birthday's right around the corner. I'll get her one of these weighted blankets. And I love Megan very, very much like more than you love your spouse. And so because of that, I wanted to get her a weighted blanket and I wanted to go the extra mile. You know, I wanted to get the best possible weighted blanket that I could. Um, and, and how do you gauge what the best possible weighted blanket is when you're shopping for something like this? The most expensive one, right? In the, in the size that you want. And the most expensive one also happens to be the heaviest one. Uh, so I bought a weighted blanket that was 25 pounds uh, the first time around. Yeah, some of you are laughing and you get it. I didn't get it. Like to me, that seemed like, okay, well, the heavier the better. You want a weighted blanket? Well, this one's going to be heavy. Uh, and it came in the mail and the box was legit. I mean, 25 pounds, if it doesn't sound like much, then I encourage you to buy a $25 weighted blanket. Please do. I can actually tell you from personal experience, it's super easy to return it to Amazon. You could order one from Amazon Prime right now, return it to Kohl's in a couple of days once you realize how ridiculously heavy that is. I almost, I almost killed my family uh, the day that I got it out and I draped it over us all on the couch and only I could get up. The rest of them were just stuck there. <laughs> um, I got some squats in uh, with, with it draped over me, super relaxed, great workout uh, kind of thing. And I, I say all of that to say, when I heard my wife and Ashley talking about it, why did I not go to Ashley, who's an occupational therapist and knows these things and understands like what, is, what, what the trend is and what's actually helpful and useful about it? Why I didn't go to her, I don't know. Uh, but I don't have any regrets either. I also, as I was returning it to Coles, the guy from Amazon, I brought it in and I, I gave it to him and he said, he said, is there anything wrong with it? And I was like, no, it's, it's fine. It's just a little too heavy. And he said, 
Yeah, I've been getting a lot of those. <laughs> People underestimate how heavy uh, this actually is. I don't know why I didn't ask for help on that, um, but, uh, but I thought maybe just as a way of kicking into this and, and starting a series called Are You Helping, uh, that we would start talking about the, the help that we all kind of need from each other and the help that we could offer to each other, the ways that we can help ourselves, right? This question that we could be asking ourselves in the mirror that as, you, as you're on this path to a better life, a better existence, you want your, your finances to be in better shape, you want your relationships to be better, in better shape, you want your relationship with God to be in better shape, and that you could ask yourself, like, are you helping, though? Are you doing things that are helpful to this? And so I want to get into this series today, um, and, uh, and I don't know how long we're going to be here. Uh, there's a pretty good chance we're going to be talking about it a while. We got the banner, um, and, uh, and there's nothing misspelled on it, so we're going to keep it a while uh, since that one is there. So we might just be talking about this for for a while. I'm going to be in Galatians chapter 6. Uh, if you would like to go there, I will put the text on the screen, um, uh, or somebody will. Derek will put the text on the screen. I appreciate you back there, Derek. Another one of these days where um, we never seem to acknowledge the people who are doing these things until something goes wrong. Uh, it's going right. Good job, Derek. Woo! That's, uh, it's going really, really great. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. I am not even going to make it through the entire first verse of Galatians chapter 6 today, uh, but let's, let's take, a, take a look at what it actually says. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and helpfully, humbly help that person back onto the right path. Now, he starts with this greeting that I kind of want to open with, dear brothers and sisters. It starts with this, it's kind of scandalous for someone like the Apostle Paul to refer to these people as brothers and sisters. But it sets a tone for what he's about to say because he was a religious official, a government employee who actually worked for the government and went and tried to find, because their law and, and their religion were intertwined in such a way that it was essentially illegal to break the religion. It was illegal to not be a good Jew in some respects. Uh, that's an oversimplification, but that's essentially what he did. He went out to look to see if everybody was being a good Jew, um, a good political Jew. Uh, and, and for him to open a greeting, uh, an open letter to a group of people, and to refer to them first and foremost as brothers and sisters is very scandalous, very odd, and definitely sets a very different tone uh, than the one the Apostle Paul would have set for most of his life. And it kind of sets us up to understand uh, what, what he actually is teaching here. So, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Now, this uh, verse of Scripture, this single verse here, raises four questions for me. Um, and so we're going to spend the next two weeks talking about these four questions. This is essentially one sermon in two weeks. It's not a four-point sermon because good preachers use three points. And in 2020, I'm going to be a good. It's a four-question sermon. It's different. Uh, and also, we're only going to cover two a week. So I think any way you slice it, my resolution, I have found all the excuses I need uh, to make sure that I am staying true to three points or less. Uh, but today, we're going to look at two questions that this raises. Um, the four questions total are, are, you know, when, who, how, and why should we help people in need, right? He's saying if a believer is overcome by sin, right, if somebody's in need, uh, 
You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. I think that raises four questions and answers four questions. When do we help? Uh, who should help? How do we help? And why should we help people in need? So let's get into it. Uh, this will be the first thing in your sermon notes. When uh, should I help someone who's in need? When should I help a brother or sister? When should I get involved? And, and really, the, the answer to that, the response to that, that I think the Apostle Paul offers us in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, is when another believer is overcome by some sin, right? If another believer is overcome by some sin. Uh, and that is when we are to get involved. Now, this gets complicated, okay? Is it, did, did the room just get a little tense? Um, is this the kind? Because I will say that as far as, as far as biblical faith in Jesus is concerned, as far as especially, it seems, American Christianity is concerned, this is a part of the puzzle where, um, where we have crossed a line a lot. Christians have crossed a line a lot. Whenever it comes to talking about sin, and whenever it comes to talking about other people's sin, dealing with other people's sin, right? When should I help? Well, when another believer is overcome by some sin. So on some level, I've got to be watching to see if they are overcome by some sin in my eyes, right? Except that's not how the Bible defines sin. I think we need a better definition of sin. Let's look at James chapter 4 uh, for a definition of sin. This is the definition I'm going to stick with. If you prefer a different definition, you go get one. But I think this is a good definition for Risen Church. It is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. This is James, the, the uh, maternal half-brother of Jesus, our Lord, walked with Jesus some, saw Jesus from a distance, never really believed that Jesus was who he said he was until after he saw him crucified publicly, dead, buried, and then risen again in teaching. And after that, James said, this is my Lord and my master, this man who I was ashamed to call my brother while he was here uh, in, in the flesh the first time around. I'm now calling my Lord and my master. I think he's an incredible case that Jesus is who he actually says he is. But he defines it. He says, and this is how my brother, this is how my Lord and Savior, this is how Jesus would actually define sin. Sin is to know what you ought to do and then not do it. So the next set of blanks uh, in our uh, sermon notes kind of highlight this. When should I help? When someone is overcome and they know it. When someone is overcome by some sin and they know it, because the only definition we have of sin is not for me to be looking at you and saying, here's the sin that you got to work on. Here's the thing that I see you dealing with. Here's the, here, here's the, uh, the, the speck that I see in your eye. Um, and I can see it just fine past the log in my own, right? That's Jesus' teachings on this. That's what Jesus actually, like, don't get involved in other people. Don't be watching other people to see if they're messing up. It's by their admission. It's when someone is overcome and they know it. It's basically when somebody's asking for help. When someone says, I've got some stuff and I know it. it is, sin is not when people are living ways uh, that... In, it's not when people are living in ways that aren't best for them, and you know it. It's when they're living in a way that is not best for them, and they know it. Right? Do you see the difference? It is, for a, it is for that person to decide. It is for you to decide for yourself, for you to be in relationship with Jesus, 
enough that, that he can speak to you in that. If the sin that you see someone overcome by is not something they consider to be a problem, then move along, bro, right? And, I, you know, maybe you disagree with that. Maybe you're like, well, i got to get involved. And I would just say, like, how often is that actually helpful? I mean, even we just get real pragmatic about it, and we just go, like, all the way down to the surface. Like, I think maybe we should get involved. I think we should be telling people who aren't asking us our opinion, who, who don't believe our Lord is, who we... Who, he says he is, who, who don't believe the same things we believe, who don't believe the Bible is what we believe the Bible is, I think we should be telling them. And I would just say, how's that working out for us? I mean, is anybody converted by that? Is anybody's life ever changed by that? Is it, it just doesn't work. The scriptures themselves actually outline the idea that the Holy Spirit is the one who should convict sins in each person's heart. It's not your job. Have I said that enough? Have I been clear enough about that? And if you want it to be your job, that's fine. You can be a part of us and not believe, you know, the same things that we believe. We're not all here because we agree on everything. But I'm just saying my personal opinion and, and what I believe the scriptures actually teach is that sin is defined by someone knowing what they ought to do and then not doing it. Someone knowing I should make that change in my life. I wish I had the grit to make that change in my life. I wish I had the discipline in my... And Paul says, well, when you see somebody doing that, maybe see if you can help. That is, is when we get involved. So just to clarify, one more time around, someone is overcome by sin. When by their own admission and their own willingness to accept, they have asked for help in some degree or they, they set us up to help them. So if this raises questions for you, if you have some other thoughts on it, you can please text them in. I will leave some space at the, t the end to kind of address this. I think this is a big and complicated issue, but I also think um, hopefully I've been broad enough in what I've said here to say, when should we get involved? Well, when, when we see people who would say by their own admission, by their own, like, I am not living the best possible life I could. I'm not helping my own situation, and I, and I want to. And Paul says, well, dear brothers and sisters, when you see that happening, see if you can get involved. See if you can help. See if you could get into somebody's situation a little bit there. Um, but please text in if you have some questions, and we'll try to address them and try to get over that. So when should I help? When someone is overcome by sin by their own admission. The second question uh, is who should help? Who should help? Paul's instruction uh, to his brothers and sisters here is to help those who have fallen into sin, as we just discussed. But not just everybody should get involved. Now, before I get into this, I will say, yeah, everybody should get involved. But everybody should be asking some questions about themselves first, right? Nobody gets off the hook for like, oh, good, I don't have to help anybody because I don't meet the criteria for this. Well, the idea would be that you would a, try to meet the criteria for this, that you would, that you would be in this sort of state of mind. Um, he says that there's a bit of a condition that should be considered before you jump in head first to start helping someone. And that condition is godliness. Right? Dear brothers and sisters, if a believer is overcome by some sin, you who are what? Godly should gently and humbly step in 
The word godliness, in the, uh, which is a word that shows up a lot in the New Living Translation of the Bible, which is what we use here a lot, um, it, it sounds like something that it is not. Godly and godlike are not the same thing. Do you understand that? Uh, godlike is not the same thing as godly. There are some comparisons to be made there, but that's still kind of a broken way of looking at this. How much of human history would be different if those who considered themselves to be godlike had <laughs> just stopped and said, like, maybe I'm not, though. Maybe I'm just a regular dude, <laughs> right? So that's kind of a misinterpretation, just to think that godly is the same thing as godlike. It's like, I have godlike power and authority, and when people speak, I, they listen. When I speak, people listen, and like, that, that's not what godly means, and in fact, the next couple of words that Paul says should gently and humbly, right, that, that, that kind of starts to characterize, but we'll get into that next week. I don't want to, I don't want to uh, give too many points and break my resolution, um, but he, he does say that godly should look gentle and humble. Um, so that, that kind of shoots down the, the godlike translation. is. But the, Paul, the word that Paul actually wrote here uh, that was translated into English is a Greek word. It is uh, pneumatikos. Can I hear you say that? Could you try it? Pneumatikos. One more time. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, and, uh, and when he uses this word, he's reminding his brothers and sisters that they are not to get involved in other people's problems or affairs just to be nosy or just to be pious or whatever. It, it's, it's actually a word that Paul uses to refer to those individuals who have surrendered to the Spirit of God to be used however he sees fit. So he's saying, like, when should I get involved? Well, when somebody's overcome by sin. And who should get involved? Somebody who's surrendered to God. Somebody who's not getting involved because they're nosy. Somebody who's not just wanting to get involved because they think they know what's best for whoever it is. <laughs> somebody who's not getting involved because they have some sort of agenda that they're trying to push, but somebody who's getting involved because they have surrendered themselves to the Spirit of God. It's, it's really people who have responded to God's invitation. Are you helping? Right? That, that we, we have said, yeah, yeah, I'm in. God, you need me to help somebody. I'm ready to help somebody. Paul says, who should be defined by that? Like, it should be boiled down. Before you get involved in somebody else's affairs, Paul would say, you need to be asking a question. Are you the right kind of who? Are, are, you, are you being the right kind of who right now? Are you wanting to get involved? Do I sound like Dr. Seuss? Are you wanting to get involved <laughs> because, because you're nosy? Are you wanting to get involved because you feel like it would make you feel better than somebody else? Are you wanting to get involved because... Because them living better would be better for you in some way, would be a benefit to you in some way. Because Paul says, really, you shouldn't get involved unless it's godly. Unless there's this pneumatikos aspect to it all. Are you surrendered to God prayerfully, carefully, considering whether God might be directing you to get involved? Do you know of, of someone in your life right now who maybe has gotten off the best path for their life? Do you know of somebody that you care about? Or maybe you feel this way about yourself. I mean, that's the, that's the cool thing, I hope, about this series and this conversation that we're going to be having for a little while is that, like, we're talking both directions. We're talking about, like, uh, are you helping those who need help? 
And we're talking, are you helping your own situation and accepting the help of others? Like, because that, that's, that's part of this whole ordeal. But I want you to consider, like, do you know of someone who by their own admission would say, I am not where I want to be, and I'm not who I want to be? Those of us who are pneumatikos, those of us who are in that godly place, I think, I think we, if we know someone like that, if we're thinking of someone, if somebody pops in your head, then truly being godly, as Paul has laid it out here, would be, well, this isn't my opinion that wants me involved. This isn't, this isn't my agenda that wants me involved. This is actually me wanting to help somebody that I care about. I really think it's best that we limit ourselves to those who, who fit these criteria, this when should I get involved? Well, when somebody by their own admission says, I've, I'm kind of overcome by this. I'm kind of overrun by this right now. So who should help? People who are surrendered to God's spirit is what I would fill in there. Maybe you know of people in your life who, who have let their vices get the better of them and they know it's not what's best for their life and, and they need some help. They need some support. They need some love, right? Gently and humbly. Maybe you know someone who stepped away from communion with, with God and with the church and they feel lonely and isolated and, and maybe they, they, they're like, I don't want to be alone anymore, I don't want, but I don't feel like I can be in communion either. Maybe there's a role for us to play in their life. Maybe you know somebody who's made some bad financial calls and, and gotten themselves into some trouble and they want to get it right. They want to set it straight and they need a little bit of help. Maybe they need some, some guidance. Maybe they need some involvement from us. Maybe you know of someone who's uh, in a relationship that is not what's best for their life and they don't really know how to get out of it. That's, that's a complicated one, right? That's about the trickiest <laughs> type of thing that we could do is, is getting involved in other people's relationships. I want us to consider these two, uh, th these two questions. When should I help? Who should help? Pausing here, just thinking about this for just a second. We have a, a responsibility to each other. I think we have an opportunity in a community like this, an opportunity to be in family like this, in faith like this. Um, and I, if you have any questions, now would be a great time for you to text in a couple of things. But I want to I challenge us to be considering, are you helping? A am I helping? Are we actually interested in helping? This is a new kind of step for Risen Church because, you know, we've talked about this better life thing so much. You've heard us, right? You've heard this, now my life is better. You've heard God has invited us to a better life. And I think one of the things that we're starting to discover is that if you really want the better life, one of the biggest steps that you could take towards discovering it for your life is to help somebody else have a better life, right? I mean, I want a better life. I want a better life. How do I get this better life? I think one of the things, one of the recurring answers of the New Testament, one of the recurring answers of Jesus himself is, you want the better life? 
help somebody else have a better life. This, we have this, this responsibility to each other. And I think, you know, a good place to start is for us to look out for those who are overcome. And they know it, overcome by something, overwhelmed by something. Maybe they feel lonely, isolated. Maybe they're, And then that we would, you know, put ourselves through this filter of like, am I motivated by godliness? Do I actually, do I actually really just want to help? I have a question that came in. Um, I'm going to read it to myself before I read it in the microphone just to be safe. I've seen questions from this number before. Do you think the use of the words brother and sister at the opening of this, dear brothers and sisters, means that you should only get involved with people that we think of as a family? It's a great question. Uh, just a, a simple clarification, hopefully. D- does brother and sister, because um, some of us were, were raised to, you know, to think that there are lots of different kinds of blood uh, running through people's veins. And there's really, it's really only a few, right? There's that AB positive and AB negative, and there's an O, and there's an A, and there's a B, and all that, right? It, there's only one kind of blood. There's only one kind of humanity. And one of the most scandalous things about what Paul says as his greeting at the opening of this, when he calls these people dear brothers and sisters, he is making a scandalous declaration that we're all family. We're all one. Paul, someone who would have been elevated, right? Someone who would have been religious platform, political platform, power, money, um, control, authority, had this position and chooses, once he discovers who Jesus is and once he discovers this blood that Jesus has shed so that all blood could be one, steps down from that and says, I now see the flaw in thinking of some people as my family and other people as not. I now see the small-mindedness of this. I now see the the ridiculousness of this. And Paul then says, dear brothers and sisters, and he speaks to anyone when he says this. It's a good question. Uh, I appreciate that. You've redeemed yourself. (laughs) Whoever's asked these awkward ones before. (laughs) I think some people send me questions just to see how awkward it can get. (laughs) That's good. It should get awkward here, right? If anywhere. Um, All right, well, if there's no other questions... uh, Anybody in the room have anything to share or, or throw out? I have a, a closing statement and then a couple of things I'd like to make you aware of. Before. Yeah, Kat. Yeah, absolutely. That's a beautiful, um, beautiful example of this. And I remember that. Uh, I remember you telling me that story um, about, and I don't know if you know, like, it's a pretty cool thing to be a part of this church in that way. 
um, to know that we would have people who would say, like, I got a friend who's got, <laughs> now don't take this the wrong way, okay? It's a good thing. I got a, pro- I got a friend with, with problems that are so bad that I'm not sure I can take them to my church, so I'll send them to Risen. <laughs> like, I will be that pastor till the day I die. We will be that church right up all the way through it. I, we also had, um, I think you, you heard this, we had a friend that used to sing on the praise team that moved to a different state. Julie um, actually was invited to Risen Church by her friend who is Jewish uh, and, and actually said, well, I'm not going to go to the church because I'm Jewish, but if I was going to go to a church, that'd be the one I would go to. Uh, <laughs> and since then, that friend has actually even visited too. But Julie, like this, this could be our narrative. You know what I mean? Like, we could be the church that helps no matter what. We could be the church that's like, you know, you got, you got a problem that's, that you think is too big and too bad for a church to handle. Yeah, try us. You know what I mean? Like, can we be that? Would you be okay with being that church? It's like, yeah, try it. Why, why don't you try coming in here and seeing if you could really shock us, seeing if you really could make us turn our backs on you. Like, that's... That is who I think we're called to be. I got another question that I, I really, I'm really glad that somebody asked this. Um, I wasn't going to go down this road unless, we, uh, unless it came up. What if someone, um, what if we know about someone who is using or addicted to drugs or alcohol and, and doesn't know that they need help um, or, or won't admit that they need help? I, I think that is, the, that is the question that this message really does raise. Um, I'm going to try to address it the best I can because this, you know, when you, the part of the reason we ask questions in here is because I would never give myself this question, right? When I'm writing a sermon, I'm trying to write something that I know I can handle. I can't handle this one, um, but, but that's the kinds of questions that should be raised, right? What do we do whenever I know of someone who needs help but won't admit it? They're being destructive and they won't admit it. The best offering I can give, the best answer that I can give, the best response I can, I can offer is that I, and this is the first point of next week, so we'll kind of, you know, transition into this. I think we've got to love first. Now, I, I know, I know, they need help. They got to get off the stuff. They got to they, they get away from that lifestyle. They gotta, I know, but rarely has it been very helpful to step in and tell someone who doesn't already know. Now, if they already know, well, then we're in a different place. If you've got somebody who's addicted and wants help, then let's help. Let's get them the help they need. Let's, be, let's pray that we would have as much grace as God himself has in us for it. Because when we're dealing with people with addictions, as we've had the opportunity to deal with in ministry before, they're going to lie. They're going to cheat. They're going to steal things. They're going to seem like they're doing way better for six months. And then they're going to go right back. And then we're going to have to go find them somewhere again. Like that's the, it's not. It's not a one-and-done kind of thing. I mean, really everybody that I know of who we've seen addicted to, to really, really heavy stuff and then delivered from it, I've never seen anybody not ever go back. It's, it just ends up being part of their life to some degree, and that's, but that's where we open our hands, and that's where we say, well, like, well we're here to, to help. But now, again, the question that's being raised, like, what do I do when I know of somebody who definitely needs... And the only offering I can give is that I think I, you love first. You accept first. I think those people, 
and I, I'm speaking from some personal experience. I've not had close loved ones, and I know that if you're texting this in, you may even have like a really close loved one or family member or something. I've not had that experience, but we have, I have had really, really close friends who have had issues with addiction. Um, friends in my life right now who have issues with addiction, and I know the thing that seems to be the most helpful, and I think it's founded in Scripture, and I think it's founded in Jesus, is, is doing our best to not be shocked doing our best to not be disappointed, doing our best to not be appalled. I think there's a flaw, and I appreciate the way the question was asked, but I think there's a flaw in the question where it's like, what if they don't know they need help? I don't know, I don't know anybody who's addicted who doesn't know they need help. Now, they don't like to admit it and maybe don't like to talk about it. Uh, or, or, you know, maybe sometimes whenever it's alcohol, something a little more social like that, there might be some people who are like, they definitely have an issue, but they don't know they have an issue or don't want to admit they have an issue. I, I would say that's just rarely the case. And the most helpful thing and the most godly thing is to gently and humbly be present in their life. Is that a useful response at all? I know it's hippy dippy, but uh, start of the year, I haven't had time to to work out all the hippiness that's, that's alive and well in me right now. Um, let me close on uh, one quick little idea. This is a conversation that I hope we can kind of keep going. And like I said, this is a two-part sermon that's really just one sermon that's kind of spread out into two. And so we'll, we'll jump right back into it next week. Um, I hope also that you will, uh, if you get a chance, and even if you don't have a YouTube account. If you have a Gmail account, you can do this. I hope that you'll subscribe um, to our YouTube channel. It's really helpful to us. We are, uh, I'm making a point for this series, at least I'm not going to say we're going to do it forever and always and and all year long or anything, Um, but for this series, there's going to be sort of a a postscript uh, video, and hopefully you saw the one that we put out this past week. It was just kind of re-hitting a couple of the points, or maybe just one of the points, or maybe even, I might even just spend a little bit of time talking about the questions that came in or whatever. Um, but if you follow that and can engage with that, uh, I think it's going to be a way for us to kind of just be, you know, keep the conversation going all week long. And plus it's a way for you to share this with your friends. That's a a little more accessible. I'm going to shoot for about 10, uh, minutes or so on those, but please do that. And that's a, again, I'm saying that to say, let's keep the conversation going that way. If you text in more questions after we leave, they may make their way into that conversation and on social media, we can stay in each other's lives that way. Um, I hope that it is obvious that nothing that Paul is saying here is meant to bump anyone out of helping. I hope that this, this filter that we've got, like, when should I help? When somebody is asking for it, like, well, I don't know anybody's asking for it, so I'm good. Um, when should I help? Well, when I'm totally surrendered to God or those of us who are godly. Well, I'm not godly and I'm not totally surrendered to God, so this doesn't apply to me. Hopefully, you can see that the filter doesn't exist to give us an excuse to not help or to discourage us from helping. It's here to clarify what is actually helpful. It's here to clarify, like, if somebody's not asking for help, if somebody isn't sinning and know it, if they're not admitting it, it's not helpful. We just aren't doing any good in that way. If we're not godly in our approach and in our involvement with people, it's not helpful. We're not actually helping. So the filter exists for that. This is a way of asking, are you helping of yourselves? Like, put it through this filter. You might be getting into other people's business 
trying to control them passive-aggressively, not you, but other people, right? Other people who aren't here might do this. If, if we don't have this filter, we might find ourselves just trying to control people, trying to, trying to push some sort of agenda, some, trying to win some sort of argument. And Paul is just standing out here saying, you know, perhaps speaking on, on behalf of God, perhaps just speaking from years of experience, perhaps speaking for the church of the risen Jesus, and he's saying, are you helping and a good way of knowing that the answer to that is yes is to satisfy those questions in your sermon notes. Part of the way that you could really answer, like, am I helping? Yeah, I think I'm helping, is to put it through this filter, to be asking, like, am I getting involved when someone asks for my help and clearly needs my help? And when I get involved, am I getting involved as a godly presence, a loving, first, gentle, and humble presence in their life? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. God, I pray that it was spoken clearly. And I hope that there was, I hope there was useful stuff in what I said. I know that your, your word is useful. I know that this, this idea that you've put in front of us in Galatians 6, that you've made available to us, this wisdom, I know that that's useful. Uh, Father, I pray that I was just able to relay it in a way that was helpful today. I pray that we would all be inspired to help those in need in our lives, that we, would, that we would go into our workplaces and our neighborhoods and our family gatherings and our friendships and the bars that we go to and the restaurants that we go to and the, the bowling alleys that we go to and everywhere, that we would go hoping that we could help somebody, hoping that we could lift somebody's spirits, hoping that we could be a light in a dark place, hoping that we could represent you in some way, that we could play a role that makes a difference for somebody else. God, I... I just, I want that for our church. I want us to be that. I want us to continue being the church that people who don't feel like they could be welcome anywhere else could come to. I want us to continue being the church that no matter how bad somebody's situation is, no matter how bad the stuff is that they did, that we would still be a representation of your grace that says, yeah, you too, come on in. Yeah, you're welcome here too. God, let us be that as a community, but God, in order for us to be that as a community, we have to be that as individuals, and, and I pray that you would just give us that special grace to be those kinds of people who, who are like that in our workplaces and everywhere we go, that we would, we would be Christians who, who, for people who may be in our lives, who maybe have a bad taste in their mouth for Christian, who, who maybe have when they think of Christian, they think of judgmentalism and they think of people who are always trying to get involved in other people's business, but they would see us and they would see that is a group of people who I think their primary goal is actually just to help. God, let us be that. Let us truly become that. We love you, God. We'll give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.